Oh gracious Heavenly Father, how self-conscious have we been, how often have we been in a room and left thinking that everything is about us and our performance? How often have we succumbed to the guilt of sin when the blood of Christ has abolished the guilt of sin? How often have we not lived in the freedom that you have given us in Christ when it is, when it is there? How often have we had an inflated ego or despised ourselves because we measure ourselves through law and not through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Father, have mercy on me and have mercy on our hearing today and Father, fill our ego with the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. So you'll see the title from Galatians 5, 1-15 is Standing Firm in the Freedom of Christ or the Freedom for which Christ has set us free. And I just need to say this at the beginning. If you're a person in Christ, Christ has set you free. Whether you stand in that freedom is another thing. Christ has set you free. And if the only thing you hear today is the word stand firm in that freedom, then you have heard a whole lot. And if you're anything like me, standing firm in the freedom of Christ is like having shaky legs. It doesn't take much for me to be buffeted by my sin or how well I've gone in the pulpit or how bad I've gone. To measure yourself every moment of every day by God's work in Jesus Christ is no easy thing, is it? Yet sometimes we act as though this is not a problem for us, we've made it. Well, I'm waiting to meet that person. I'm yet to meet them. In fact, a sign of the enjoyment of your freedom in Christ is that you can speak real about yourself without being overcome by either guilt or a sense of pride. Isn't that beautiful? To be able to be so secure in Christ, to be able then to relate with such security to other people and that relationship to other people, which I'm going to try and get to today, is to be um, set free to be other person centred. I don't know if some of you have ever read a book by Tim Keller called The Art of Self-Forgetfulness, but if you haven't, buy it and read it. He just talks about the way in which in Christ, as we grow underneath the Gospel, we just actually become more interested in other people and less interested in how we're doing. So how have you been doing this week? Are you right with God apart from anything good and anything evil? I mean it. Are you? Are you entirely right with Him apart from anything that you have done this week from your performance? Well, the church at Galatia had been ill-filtrated by false apostles or should I say false brethren or false teachers and they saturated every church that Paul went to. If you were to measure Paul's success as a pastor by the mess of his church, you wouldn't have called him. He would have said, I'm not calling that guy. Wherever he goes, there's mess. 
Well, let me ask you today, if I measured your success of your children by your parenting, how would, how would you go? And you may well have been a very good parent. Paul was a very good pastor. And he saved some of his strongest language for those who infiltrate our churches. And don't forget two weeks ago I said the battle of persecution is between Ishmael, those of the law and children of grace and that persecution takes place not outside the church, inside the church. Paul says this, may they take the knife of circumcision and emasculate themselves. Now should we just jot that one out of the Bible because it's a bit confronting? See, what he's saying is this, the Galatians are the father's children, they're the father's kids, don't mess with them. What a good warning, don't mess with the freedom of the message of the Gospel that comes to the children of God. And then he actually says, I have confidence. Brothers and sisters, do you have confidence in the midst of a messy church like Paul does? He says, I have confidence in the Lord not in my pastoring, but I have confidence in the Lord that the Gospel, the message of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit will so work in the hearts of God's children that they will take no other view. Where's our confidence? We can look around and we can see the mess. Paul was a good pastor. He said, I'm not going to put confidence in what I see. I'm going to put confidence in the Lord. So up there on the screen you have the first four verses. Why have I put it up there? Because a number of people before reading the text this week said to me, how does circumcision fit with our day and age? Very sincere. So when you read circumcision there, for freedom Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore, do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I Paul say to you, if you accept circumcision, just put performance by a law there. Any law. Is that okay? Circumcision isn't the problem here, but we all have law performances. So that was their marker. What a crazy marker. We might laugh and say that was the mark by which they saw how well they were doing or how well they were not doing. How's your prayer life going? How well is it going? Is that your marker? Well, what about when you can't pray? What do you do then? What's your marker, truly? Be honest with yourself. What's your marker? What is it that brings you under slavery? Is it the opinions of other people? Is it how good your parenting is? And I said to the 8 o'clock people this morning, and I have a different group of mothers here and probably grandmothers, but have you ever said... I'm undervalued, I just don't feel valued as a mum or I don't feel appreciated. Have you ever said that? Or fathers, you may have said that. Well, let me ask you this, are you going to find true self-worth and true value in your children? You might make their lunches, you might actually do wonderful things for them and they may not ever really appreciate you the way that you want them to. So if you bind your identity to the value of how your children see you, how are you going to be? 
You're always going to be measuring yourself by that standard, aren't you? And whether they give you the value that you want. Well, how about when you go to a social meeting, go to a barbecue? Do you ever leave thinking about your conversations with people? Do you ever go to bed and they toss and turn in your mind and you think, geez, I wish I didn't say that? I wonder if that person still likes me. I wonder if they think I'm a bit of a dill. Is that just me? No one else go through that? Is that freedom? That's slavery. That's slavery. That's measuring yourself by your performance saying, how well did I do? Trust me, brothers, everything you do has sin in it. This message has failure in it. And as people have been reminding me about the fact that I am imperfect, I can say, yes, I am, but I'm preaching a perfect message. And we bear witness to not the fact that we are perfect, but we bear witness to the fact that we have a perfect Messiah and a perfect message and a perfect sacrifice for sins which goes into our consciences, which sets us free from the law and we bear the fruit of the Spirit and we live by faith. And as we do that, we encounter things that sometimes we just don't understand when it comes to the accusation of our sin because Satan will come after you and he will come to rob you of your freedom. But let me just say this, he can never actually ever take away your salvation in Jesus Christ. But he can stop you from enjoying it. He can stop you from enjoying who God has freed you to be in Jesus Christ. So I said to a a dear older sister last night as we talked about this, do you enjoy yourself? And I didn't mean it in an egotistical way and I got silence. She said, I want to be a fit temple for the Lord, a fit holy temple for the Lord. Does that sound like someone who's enjoying themselves? Still got to make it, huh? Still got to get there. Then then the Lord will be pleased with me. Do you know what spiritual fitness is? Is standing in that freedom and not giving in to that and then when you do give in to it, because we do, don't we? Because we don't stand firm is actually saying, no, I'm coming back to that gospel freedom in Christ. Now there are two ways in which the ego of the Christian goes by which we end up into slavery and law performance. And when we do end up in that situation, we actually can't freely love our neighbour because we're self-obsessed. And if you take Luther's understanding of sin, sin is to be what? Curled up into yourself. Now, there are two ways. Listen very closely to these. I'm speaking from an egotistical point of view where I have known that I have been a very egotistical person. So I'm not having a go at anyone in this room. You have those in the church who have a superiority complex. They're so easy to... You you get angry with them pretty quickly. They know everything. Their identity is linked with their achievements and their good behaviour. They're under the law, but rather than the law kind of telling them about their sin, they think they're superior to others. In fact, they're so superior to others that they just can't love because people just aren't up to their high standards. That is real. 
But then you have those who have a deep sense of inferiority. They have low self-esteem. Which is more sinful? Both. Because what's both about? Both is about me. Now those with low self-esteem, when they hear about the work of Christ, they say, it can't be for me. I don't deserve it. I mean, I'm too sinful. Is that really a humble response? No, because both the the inflated ego and the deflated ego is still measuring itself by a marker, a law performance. And Christ is of no value. How can Paul say that to a Christian? Christ is of no value to you. Because if you are measuring yourself in either of those directions, Lord, why Christ is of no value to you. He's not writing to unbelievers here. He's writing to the fact that we are so prone to go those ways. Paul ends up saying, if you seek to be justified by the law, you're severed from Christ, you've fallen from grace. Brothers and sisters, do you know yourself? Like seriously, what what is it when you get to that place of despondency? Yeah, we say, I'm despondent. Let's name it. What is it? It's my ego. I'm not trusting the Lord. Let's, Let's call it what it is. It's idolatry. Then you'll be free rather than putting your own little spin on it. And in verse 5, which I haven't got on the screen, Paul says, through the Spirit by faith, and I'm translating this here, our identity is hidden in Christ and what we are waiting for is the radiance of our righteousness to be revealed. Now, I've got an impossible task here in 30 seconds to say this. If God was to peel back faith and show you who you are in Christ, you would see yourself clothed and robed in the brightness of Christ's righteousness without one spot or trace of sin and of guilt. And as as C.S. Lewis says, you'd probably see it and be tempted to bow down and worship yourself. Why does Paul throw that verse in? Because it's by faith and it's going to come and you don't have to work for it and you don't have to earn it, but you can enjoy it. Hey, try enjoying it. Just give it a go. Enjoy standing in that purity. Make much of, make much of Christ. Make much of yourself in Christ. You can't go wrong. In fact, is there a moment in time where you should think about yourself apart from Christ? And I said that to somebody last night and they looked at me like I was a little bit crazy. But think about it. You were crucified with him. What is your baptism? You were crucified with him. You were dead and buried with him. You have risen with him. You are not apart from him and you are in him. And faith says, yep, I see that and I acknowledge that while I feel everything else in my life is falling apart. So the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is a completely new way of living. 
Let me just give you an example. The Apostle Paul is regarded as one of the greatest leaders and one of the most influential people in the history of the world, probably along with Martin Luther. How does Paul say this about himself without being overcome by and overwhelmed by sin? Listen to these words in 1 Timothy 1.15. Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Did you notice the present tense? Not I was, but I am. Paul says, not I was the chief of sinners, but I am the chief of sinners. I am the worst of sinners. How does Paul say that? With such freedom, poise and confidence without being overcome by his sin. Quite simply, he does not connect his sin or his sinfulness with who he is in Jesus Christ. doesn't connect his sin with who he is in Jesus Christ. That takes, that even just, who here thinks I'm speaking heresy now? Sounds terrible. How can you say that? Although Paul knows he is a sinner and the chief of sinners, he will not connect his sin with his identity in Jesus Christ. In fact, to stand firm in the freedom of Christ To stand firm and to enjoy it is to not let guilt enter your conscience even at the point that you fail. Is that what justification is? So, stand firm when you sin and do not let the guilt of sin enter your conscience for a moment. You're all looking at me like this is a bit hard. Well, let me ask you this. Has the blood of Christ dealt with the guilt of all your sin? When did he deal with it? Was it the time you believed or was it at the cross? Are you saved by grace or or by faith? By grace through faith. See, when you have this kind of freedom and you stand in this kind of freedom, you become filled with the joy of the Lord and you start to look out at other people and you actually start to love and when you begin to love other people this way, you don't actually demand that they love you back. Have you ever noticed in the parable of the goats and the sheep that Jesus begins to reward the flock for their good works and he says, congratulations, here's your reward and do you know what they say to him? When did we do it? When did we do that, Lord? See, the humility that comes in Christ is that you start to love and you start to go other person-centred and it's just a natural thing and you're not there boasting in it. You're actually very unconscious of the fact that you're serving the Lord and his people. So Martin Luther says this, Let us learn then carefully to separate Christ from all that we do, both good and evil, from all laws, both human and divine, and from all troubled consciences, Christ has nothing to do with these. What a pastoral lesson for us, to learn to separate who we are in Christ from all that we do, good and evil. In fact, in verse 9, Paul says, a little bit of leaven a little bit of law way, a little bit of measuring yourself ruins the whole lot. 
So as soon as you start to measure Christ plus something, the gospel goes. Think about it a little bit. A little bit of looking at how well you've been doing and haven't been doing ruins it. And we know that, don't we? Because how many, us, how many of us have been so grieved to the point that we're then bound by the guilt of our sin? So Tim Keller says this, Paul does not see a sin and let that destroy his identity. Neither does Paul see an accomplishment and congratulate himself. Paul sees all kinds of sin in himself and all kinds of accomplishments but he refuses to connect them with himself or his identity in Jesus Christ. How's that for a new way of living in Jesus Christ? And how would be the influence and the grace that would permeate out of your life? So this means we are now free from having to prove ourselves by our performance. And Paul says in verse 6, In Christ Jesus there is neither circumcision, that is law performance, or uncircumcision, no law performance. The only thing that counts is the faith that believes that we are robed and that we are right with God apart from works and that lively faith in Jesus Christ produces another centred love towards others. That's what counts. So brothers, you can go home from today and I can go home from today and I don't have to think about how well you've received me and you can go home today after having lunch and you don't have to think about how well people have received you or whether you've been offended or whether you haven't been offended. You can go home and say, my identity is not linked with my performance or with other people's opinions of me. How good is that? For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm in that freedom and do not become a yoked to the slavery of performance by the law. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity to indulge the sinful nature, but through love serve one another. For the whole Ten Commandments is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. As Adam said, that law in Christ is fulfilled and is sweet as honey to the believer. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul's warning here, as I finish, is this. If you are operating as a slave by your performance, the only way you can build yourself up is to tear other people down. You know that, don't you? The only reason you tear other people down is what? You don't feel good about yourself. So you bite and you devour one another out of your sense of guilt and inferiority or superiority. But in Christ we have a new way, a new freedom and we can simply through faith in Christ love without needing to be valued by the people that we are loving. How's that? You don't need to be valued by the people that you're loving. You can just love in Christ.
So secure are we in Christ that we simply love because that's the way God's law is in Jesus Christ. That's the way it is. Brothers and sisters, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm in that freedom and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.